through the motions of preaching. I want God to speak to my heart. I want to keep a heart that's soft and tender for the Word of God. And so both times he warns us about the danger of drifting from the Word of God. Now the foundation and illustration for uh, this passage of Scripture and uh, these uh, chapters is the exodus of Israel from Egypt and their experiences of unbelief in the wilderness. It was not God's will for His people to live in the land of Egypt. It was not God's will for His people to settle in the wilderness or Kadesh Barnea. God wanted them to enter into that rest. And that's the phrase that's used more than uh, one time. He wanted them to enter into that rest of His will. Uh, the rest of their inheritance. He wanted them to enter into uh, the land of Canaan. Now you know the story when they got to Kadesh Barnea and they were just ready to cross over uh, the land of Jordan into the land of Canaan, the river Jordan to the land of Canaan, they sent 12 spies into the land. Ten came back and said, we can't do it. The, the uh, giants are big and uh, there's no way we can take the land. There's seven nations that are greater and mightier than we are. We can't do it. And the Bible said, and the people murmured. Uh, they were discouraged. There were two men, Joshua and Caleb, uh, that said, oh, but we can do it. And they didn't say we can do it because we're stronger than they are. They said we can do it because God said we could do it. Now the truth is when you look at circumstances it was not possible but when you look at the power of God and the promise of God it was possible. I hate to stop and say this. Turn my monitor back up just a little bit. I'm sorry about that. Because of their unbelief then that generation missed their inheritance and died in the wilderness. It was not until the next and a new generation that came along that they went into the land of Canaan. Now that's important to understand because Canaan represents to us as Christians our spiritual inheritance in Christ. Now look again at verse number 12 in that phrase where the Bible says, For the word of God is quick, that means alive, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Mark those two words, if you will, the words soul and spirit. First of all, what does it mean that there is a dividing by the word of God of soul and spirit, and how does that apply to our life? First of all, let's define them. The word soul is our mind. It is our seat of emotions. It is our thinking ability. It's our ability to make comparisons, to make judgments, uh, to have discernment. That is our soul, our soul. What is the spirit? Well, the spirit of man is dead until it is quickened by God at salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit allows me to fellowship with God. Now, how do we separate those two and why is that important? Why would there be a division between the soul and the spirit by the word of God? Now watch this. Uh, don't, don't, don't miss what I'm saying. Uh, the spirit of God is controlled in our relationship with him 
by the word of God. That's how he speaks to me. He doesn't speak to me audibly. He speaks to me through the word of God. He expects me to know him. He expects me to know about him. He expects uh, me to know uh, that he is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's my savior. He's my guide. He's my guard. I learn all of that from the word of God. Now, if I'm not careful, I will make the decisions of my life in my mind, in my soul, by my feelings, by what I think. But the Bible says you can divide how you feel from what is right, the soul and spirit, and sometimes what we feel is right. But the way we divide that is we don't go by how we feel. We live and make decisions by the truths of the Word of God. Let me go back and connect the illustration. The ten spies said we can't because they looked at the circumstance. Don't miss the, don't miss the illustration. They said we can't because of the circumstance. The two spies said we can because God said. Now a lot of things in life, as I preach this morning, they don't make spiritual instruction does not make sense to our mind, but we know it works because God, in fact, does bless our obedience to the Word of God. So I don't want to follow the ten spies. Now, some would have said, well, I sure am thankful for those spies. I'm glad they didn't take our boys into danger. I'm glad they didn't take us over there where they had COVID, or not COVID, uh, where they had uh, seven nations greater and mightier. I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad, and, and they said, boy, I sure am glad for those ten spies. But the truth is they all died because God didn't tell them to stay in Kadesh Barnea. He told them to go to the land of Canaan. There were a few that said, and you'll find this phrase, uh, young men, they admired Caleb and they admired Joshua because they said, we can, not because of our ability, not because of our strength, but we can because God said we could. There are many things in life that I can't do except by the power of God. For example, I can't be saved on my own. I can join the church. I can do good deeds. I can help someone in need. I can make myself feel good. I can compare myself to others and say I'm better than him or I'm better than her on this particular occasion or in this particular circumstance. And it's sad that there are many that are trying to feel their way to heaven. But I'd never know if I'd done enough good. I'd never know if I did enough to get to heaven. So I'm not going to heaven because how I feel I'm going to heaven because God said, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going for a Bible reason. Now here's the application of the message I want to get into tonight. If we're not careful, we will even use the word and the behavior of prayer to justify a wrong decision. I hear this more often than not. I really prayed about it, and this is how I feel. Well, what does the Bible say? Now, I understand you may say, but the Bible doesn't say anything about my decision. It don't tell me what state to live in. It doesn't tell me uh, what, whether to be a missionary, a preacher, a layman leader. It doesn't say that, so I had to pray and feel my way through. I'm going to show you tonight how we can use the Bible as a guide to help us make decisions because it doesn't matter how I feel and I don't ever want to use something spiritual and attach that and say because I prayed about how I feel I think it's the right decision. I want to make decisions with the word of God that is the only power that can divide uh, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Are you with me tonight? 
That's why it's important that you not only attend Sunday school, but that you listen and you take in the truths of the Word of God. That's why it's important for you to hear the preaching on Sunday morning and take the truth of the Sunday morning and learn it to the place that you say, I don't want to just know it, I want to live it. To hear preaching on Sunday night, to hear the Bible studies on Wednesday night, that's why the focus of all of our programs, the foundation of it is the teaching of the Word of God. We already have a world that's going by its feelings and they're lost and confused and divided and arguing. There was a time our nation was united because our guiding force was not our feelings. It was the Word of God. In every decision of life, we need to seek and we need to look for the Word of God. Now hear me well. We do more things to feed our feelings during the week than we do feed our faith with the Word of God. And I want to challenge in your thinking about your behavior. How much time do you spend feeding your mind, your heart, and your soul the truth of the Word of God? Here's what I've learned in life. The easiest way to make decisions is to let God make them for me. I don't like making hard decisions. So if the Bible tells me what to do, it's already settled. There's no argument. There's no opinion. There's no polling. How sad it is. I said it this morning. A politician said to me, uh, but folks have changed on this issue. There was a time that 90% of Americans did not want uh, marijuana, and now they want it. And 90% said they didn't want sports betting, and now they want it. I don't care what the polls say. I, I care what the Word of God says, and I want to lead my life and my family and our church by not how we feel or how we poll, but by what the Word of God says. There's several areas of our life that we make decisions. I'll read through those and then get to work for the message tonight. First of all, our salvation needs to be based on the truth of the Word of God. Family decisions need to be based on the truth of the Word of God. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to the rearing of our children, when it comes to doing right, when it comes to teaching our children behavior, when it comes to discipline, when it comes to instruction, when it comes to correction, what does the Bible say? When it comes to God's will for my life, whether you are facing or looking toward a career or whatever the case may be, that career needs to be in the will of God. If you're a fireman, it ought to be the will of God. If you're a policeman, it ought to be the will of God. If you're a maintenance man, it ought to be the will of God. Whatever it is in life, God ought to direct you, guide you, and lead you in His will. And I believe that every man and every woman can be in the center of the will of God. We find all of these occupations not only in the Bible. As far as life is concerned, we find it in how it relates to serving God. We need to make our financial decisions based on the Word of God. We need to make our relationship and friendship decisions based on the Word of God. We need to make our decisions of where we live, where we work, where we serve based on the Word of God. Our habits and our hobbies ought to be based on the Word of God. We shouldn't say, well, the Bible guides my life on Sunday, but I want to do what I feel like on Friday. I, I contend that the Word of God ought to guide and guard our life even in our habits and hobbies of life. Now, how do we make decisions by the Word of God? I'm going to give you eight words right now, 
uh, and then I'll define them in the remainder of my time tonight of what we need to know about the Bible. First of all, we need to know the laws of God. And I'll begin with just the Ten Commandments. We need to know what the Ten Commandments are. And, and, and let me say this, there's no need to pray about what God has said to do. Just do it. No need to say, Lord, do you think it'd be your will uh, for me to give a gospel tract? There's no need to pray about that. I'm supposed to go into all the world and preach gospel to every creature. That's settled. It's already done. No need to pray about that. We need to understand, first of all, the law of the Ten Commandments. Second of all, we need to understand Bible principles. Number three, Bible precepts. And they're very similar uh, to that of commandments, Bible precepts. We need to pay attention to Bible warnings. We need to pay attention to Bible prophecies. For example, there are some who take Bible prophecy and they say, we're at the end, we might as well sit down and just wait for the return of Christ. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, yes, we are at the end. Jesus is coming soon. It's time to give it all you got serving God. Serve him, serve him, serve him. The Bible uh, directs my life. And a preacher years ago called me and he said, uh, Brother Fugit, would you know of a small country church in Kentucky? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting toward the end of my ministry. I believe the Lord is returning soon. And uh, he said, I'm looking for a place that I could just sort of serve and, and just enjoy serving and sort of have a relaxed atmosphere. I said, no, I don't know any churches like that. And I didn't want him in the state of Kentucky. I don't want preachers to retire. I want preachers to refire in the will of God. Jesus is coming soon. Whoever heard anybody say, well, this is the last lap. I think I'll set the cruise at, this, at, at 55 miles an hour. No, the last lap's when you, is when you put the pedal to the metal. The last lap's when you blow an engine. The last lap is when you give it all you got. And that's what the Bible teaches me to do. You know what I feel like doing? Hiding. You know what I feel like doing in this culture? Do you understand that if things continue as they are, you take a preacher like me that preaches on the issues of the day and even reads scripture like I read in Sunday school this morning, there are those who say you ought to be put in jail for hate speech. They call preaching against sin, they call it hate. The Bible calls it righteousness and obedience. I don't just hear about it. I get threats from people that say, we'll have you put in jail for your preaching. Now the ten spies, they say to me, you better calm down and just relax. God's been good to you. He's blessed you. Just enjoy the church that you have. Oh, listen to me. It's not time to relax. It's time to press on into the land of Canaan and the blessings that God has. I didn't intend to stop at prophecies. I'll give you number six, and that's history and examples. The Bible is full of history and examples. Number seven is Bible doctrine. Bible doctrine. I don't have to pray about Bible doctrine. I don't have to pray about... Now, I, I'm just going to list them first, or I'm trying to. Number eight is instruction, just simple instruction. Let me say a word about each of these in my final few minutes here and just talk about how we can apply this to our life, how the Bible can be the object that divides soul and spirit, that divides how I feel, how I think from what God has said. First of all, the Ten Commandments. Take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. 
I don't have time to teach and preach all of these, but this is the beginning guide. It's a foundational guide. And he begins in chapter 20 by telling us he's the God that delivered us from Egypt. He's the God that delivered us from bondage. He is the one and true God and ought to love him and ought to serve him. And all God's children said, Amen. It wasn't Buddha, it wasn't Muhammad, it wasn't the church, it wasn't religion that saved you from your sin. It was Jesus that saved you from your sin and set you free. And it is Jesus that deserves our worship. It's Jesus that deserves our love. It's Jesus that deserves our praise. It's God that deserves our service tonight. He is the one and only true God. Don't need to talk about the fact, well, we need to consider other religions when it comes to our educational system. That's what's wrong with our educational system now. It's the opinion of the student that means more than truth. We need to get back to the truth of the Word of God. And so he says here, first of all, have no other God before me. He's not saying here, now of your gods, I I want to be number one on your list. That would be like saying to your wife, I love you more than all the other women I love. That sounds dumb to say. It sounds wrong to even say out loud. He's not saying love me first of others. He said love me and love only me. And don't have any other idols. Don't allow anything to come between your love between you and I. That's what the Bible says. Now, he deserves that because God's a creator. God gave us life to live. He gave us salvation. He gave us redemption. He causes the world to exist. He deserves that kind of love. He says in verse 7, Not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. There's no need to pray about it. It's what the Bible says. It's settled. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We understand the Sabbath changed. The day Christ rose from the grave, no longer did they go to the temple on the Sabbath, but they began to worship God on the first day of the week. And next Sunday, April, uh, April 9, is uh, the date that this year we celebrate Easter and we come to worship God. But every single Sunday we recognize Christ arose from the grave the first day of the week and we serve a risen Savior. Verse number 12, honor thy father and thy mother. Verse number 13, thou shalt not kill. You say, what's your position on abortion? I don't have one. I just agree with the Bible. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. And the Bible gives us ten commandments here. That's the beginning of obeying the word of God. There's no need to think about it. There's no need to discuss it. There's no need to pray about it. Any activity that would cause me to break one of these is sinful activity. I want to live right. Let the Bible be our guide. But more than the word of God, as far as the law is concerned, there are also principles in the word of God. Now, of course, I can only just give you a list tonight. I wouldn't have time to go into any detail. But there are Bible principles. For example, God's the creator. That very statement is a problem for a lot of people in our world today. But he's the creator. You say, but scientists say the scientists are wrong. God's right. He's the creator of the world. God made male and female, that's all. But scientists say, I don't care what scientists say, the Bible says God made male and female, that's all he made. God made marriage between one man and one woman, period. It's already settled. 
You say, but this church denomination has decided to look further into it. I looked all the way to the end of it, and it still says uh, uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. I looked from the top to the bottom, the side to the side. He made male and female marriages between one man and one woman. It's a Bible principle. I'm made in the likeness of God. You're made in the likeness of God. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I'm made a triune or a three-part person. I'm made in His image. And at salvation, I am to be becoming more like Christ in my life and in my living. The principle of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the principles of faith in God, the principles of prayer, the principles of the local church, and on and on we go. We learn Bible principles. They guide and guard our lives. Then there are warnings in the Bible. There are warnings, and some of these cross one another, but when you look at the Ten Commandments, he says not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And if you'll notice what he says here, he says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That's a warning. That is a warning. Don't use God's name in vain. He doesn't hold him guiltless that uses his name in vain. There are warnings in the Bible against pride. There are warnings in the Bible against vengeance. There's warnings in the Bible about arrogance. There are warnings in the Bible about rejecting Christ. There are warnings in the Bible from the beginning to the end that he warns us about. He said, stay away from these people. Stay away from these places. Stay away from these things. And those are warnings in the Bible that helps to guide and guard my life. Sometimes folks say, well, I I just don't understand God. I don't know why God did this or why God allowed that. It would help you to understand God if you read his book. Because what we do, we say in our soul, in our feeling, in our emotions. I don't understand this. But when we take the word of God and we divide asunder soul and spirit, I begin to read the word of God and I read the book of Job and I read about the life of Job and I read how God allowed him to go through great trial of affliction and Job is an example of patience and faith in God and I learned that everything in life is not always going to be happy and peaches and cream and peanut butter. It's not always going to be good. There's going to be some difficult times. There are going to be some valleys. Oh, but even in the valley he restoreth my soul. Even in the valley he walks with me. Quit being angry at God because you live just by your feelings and by your soul. Let the word of God divide asunder how we feel and what the Bible says and put your faith in the truth of the word of God. There are warnings in the scripture. There are prophecies in the scripture already dealt with this. Jesus is coming again. I've learned about Bible prophecy. It doesn't matter the power of government when it comes to Bible prophecy. Herod decided he'd kill all the babies. There wouldn't be a Messiah. Hey, good news, there was a Messiah, but there's no more a Herod. Pharaoh said, I'll kill all the babies. There won't be a deliverer. I've got good news. There was a deliverer. There is no more the Pharaoh. Bible prophecy always is exactly what God has said. God never made a prediction. God made promises. I can live my life. I'm not going to live my life all upset and all worried and concerned because our nation and our world is waxing worse and worse in sin. 
because the Bible told me that's exactly what was going to happen. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said it'll wax worse and worse. But Timothy, here's what I want you to do. Continue. Keep living right. Keep preaching the Bible. Keep winning souls. You do right. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep living right. I'm going to keep winning souls. I'm going to keep reading the Word of God. Oh, listen to me. Sometimes I feel like anger and I feel like frustration and I feel like vengeance. Ah, but thank God for the Word of God. Like a two-edged sword that pierces even to the dividing sunder of soul. How I feel and what God says and I decide... I'm going to do what God says. And it helps bring the joy of the Lord in my life in serving Him. What about history? We learn from Sodom that God destroyed that nation because of the wickedness of sodomy. We learn in 2 Peter chapter 2 that He spared not the angels. We learn that though Elimelech's motives in his mind and heart may have been right when he said we're going to go down to Moab and sojourn for just a little while and then we'll come back to the land of bread. We'll come back to Israel. We learn that it's never right to do wrong, to do right, just do right. It's better to live in the famine. It's better to live in a time of difficulty trusting in God than it is to step out of the will of God and try to make it better. You can't make life better without God. You can only make life better with faith in God. That story is a story of history that teaches me when times are rough, have faith in God. Famines are not time when God has a hard time. It's time when God proves to us, I can take care of you even in a famine. So the Bible is filled with history. It's filled with Israel's blessings when they obeyed God. Israel's uh, curses when they disobeyed God. And we look at the nation of America and the only hope is not a conservative movement and a conservative candidate. The only hope is for America to get back to the standard of the word of God. It doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is what God says. And if I obey it, God blesses it. Then there's a matter of doctrine. I'm not going to list all the Bible doctrines, but there's a doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of sanctification. Uh, there's a teaching or doctrine of the angels. There's a doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of heaven, the doctrine of hell. Uh, folks have asked me, what do you think about so-and-so's comments and this preacher, uh, his comments about hell? Well, uh, we can address how I feel about it, but let's just see what God says. The Word of God divides asunder uh, the soul and spirit. doesn't matter how I feel. And I wish there were no hell. But I'm not in charge. I said to a man witnessing to him this past week, he said, I just don't believe this. I said, what if you're wrong? What if you do go to hell for all eternity? Doesn't matter what I feel about what they say. The Bible says there is a literal heaven and there is a literal hell. That controls my thinking. It controls my behavior. It controls my life before God. The Bible is the sword that divides asunder the soul and spirit. What about instruction? Paul gave many instructions to Timothy. He told Timothy, give attendance to reading. He told uh, the church at Ephesus, put on the whole armor of God. He told the church at Philippi, rejoice in the Lord 
always. And again, I say, rejoice. He told the church, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And on and on in those 13 letters that Paul penned uh, to those uh, Christians and local churches, Paul gave much instruction and God said, I'm going to preserve the living word. I'm going to preserve the inspired word for your generation. I want you to follow that instruction. So I say tonight, we need to be Bible readers a lot. A lot. We need to listen to the Word of God. We need to read the Word of God. We need to know something about every book, its subject and application to our lives. We need to know, we need to study. You say, but I'm not a preacher. No, but you're a Christian. It needs to make the right decisions. Too many bad decisions and wrong decisions are made by saying, well, this is how I feel and I really prayed about it. You can spend 10 days praying about something. If it violates the scripture, your prayer is never right. And so many times our prayers are not what they're supposed to be. Prayers are supposed to be our submission to God and to God's will and to God's desire for our life. I don't go to God to tell him what to do. I go as the servant to the master saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And the Holy Spirit always guides me into truth. Asa was a great king, but he came to the place that he didn't inquire of the Lord. He didn't seek godly counsel, and he made an unholy alliance, and his life ended poorly. I don't want to end that way. I want to live. I want to, and, and, and I want to devour. I want to consume. I want to be filled with the word of God because I don't want to be filled with pride or arrogance. I don't want to be filled up with the thoughts of the flesh and bring failure and destruction in life. I want to be filled with the truth of the word of God that I can't just run well. I can finish well. Samson made a decision to follow what he felt. He said this, she pleases me. Samson's daddy said, son, let, let, let's not do what pleases us. Let's do what pleases God. Samson said, no, get her for me. A little while later, we see Samson blinded, grinding like a gristmill, used as an animal to grind at the gristmill. Samson would it not have been better for you to follow the truth of what God gave you on how to live? Or was it better to follow how you feel? I plead with you tonight. Young people, let's follow the word of God. By the way, that's so important that we listen. Young people, listen to your parents. They not only have lived by trial and error and by the word of God, they can help you. And you may say, but my parents failed in this. They didn't fail if they learned what the truth was. Listen to your dad and mom that guide you in the truth of the word of God. Stand with me if you will. I'll stop preaching right there. The word of God. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Jesus praying for us in John 17 said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. <clears throat> Simon Peter answered him, Lord, John 6, 68, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the 
words of eternal life. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. My heart's desire and the purpose of my preaching tonight